out of the book of First Corinthians, chapter 1. I'm going to read just a few verses of Scripture this morning, beginning with verse 26. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. First Corinthians, chapter 1. Read with me, beginning in verse 26. For you, say you, you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God, how many is thankful for the but God in your life this morning? But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen, say chosen, the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Here's why. That no flesh should glory in His presence. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning a message I've just simply titled, Chosen. If you will, one more time, pray with me and for me today. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing that's been present in this house already. Thank you for the worship we've experienced, the opportunity to give and to worship you, give back a portion of what you blessed us with. But God, right now, for the next few moments, Lord, I pray that you would remove every hindrance, Lord, from this room. For I know and I realize that there are people that are seated here today that need to hear a word from you. They need to hear your voice speak into their heart and their life today. So I pray against every hindrance that would come against this service. God, I ask you that you would decrease me until I'm nothing, that your Holy Spirit would be increased within me. Lord, anoint my lips of clay to speak your words, not mine. And let them come forth today, in the, not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but let your word come forth today in the demonstration and the power of your spirit. Anoint every ear to hear your word today and every heart to receive your word. And God, let us leave this place today realizing and knowing that you have chosen us, God, for such a time as this. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do in and through your word today in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated today. The reality is that there is not a single one of us seated in this room or even watching online today who, are, who is deserving to be chosen by God for anything. Did you hear me? Not a one of us in this room, I need you all to help me preach this morning. If you don't help me preach, here's the way it works around here. If you don't help me preach, it's a really long service. But when you help me preach, it gets over with quicker. So now, let's try that again. There's not a single one of us in this room seated here today that are worthy or deserving for God to choose us for anything. Not one of us. Paul tells us in another passage of Scripture, early on in his letter to the Romans, he actually said it this way. He said, there is none righteous, no, not one. So let me say it again this morning. There is not a single one of us seated in this sanctuary today or watching online today who deserve to be chosen by God for anything. The point that the Apostle Paul is making here is that God is the one that does the choosing. And just as he has chosen to reveal himself to others all throughout history, God has chosen to reveal himself to you and to me this morning. You see, 
I believe that there is going to be a last day awakening before Jesus Christ returns for his church. Does anybody else believe that today? I believe there's going to be a last day awakening. I believe that God is going to raise up many people in this last hour of time. Now, if you're anything like me and you've been raised in the church most of your life, you've been preached to that we were living in the last days most all of your life, right? So somebody says, preacher, how do you know that we're in the last days today? I, I believe we're in the last days because of the signs that I see. But I want to tell you this. If this is not the last days that I see the signs around me, I don't want to be here in the last days. Is anybody with me this morning? I believe we're living in the last days. And I believe that God is going to raise up many people in this last hour of time, these, these last days that we're living in, and their lives are going to become a living testimony for His glory and what He can do in the life of someone who, who surrenders all to Him. Now, I want to tell you today that, I believe, that is the purpose for which you and I find ourselves seated right here in this room in the heart of this city this morning. I believe that's the purpose that we are here for. Now, I remember when I first walked into this building. See, we had a plan for something else, to build another uh, building uh, on 25, on, on some acreage that we owned. But I walked into this building because the, the bid went up astronomically. We saved a couple hundred thousand dollars over a few years, and, and the bid on the building we were going to build went up like $500,000. So saving a couple hundred thousand dollars put us about $300,000 behind in that time. So we were just kind of uh, backing up uh, and punning, if you will, uh, for any of you football lovers. And by the way, what about them cats? I've been, I'm 45 years old, and I don't ever remember a season. I mean, if it ended tomorrow, Sean, like I'd be, I could say I thoroughly enjoyed the first six games, right? But anyway, uh, back to what I'm talking about. Uh, we, we just kind of backed up and said, God, what are you trying to say to us? And I remember walking into this building. And I walked into this room that you're seated in right now. And it was a gymnasium. And I was like, but God, this is not, this is not the, the size sanctuary that we were going to build. We were going to build one that set uh, probably at least 100, 120 more than what this one seats. But God spoke his will, and God ordained it. I believe that's why we are here. We, we bid on this property at auction, and we bought this property. And then God used uh, a friend of mine, who is also a client of mine, who is a wonderful praying lady, and she's a Baptist lady. Somebody's calling me on my phone right now, so if you're watching online, I'm not going to answer you. But anyway, uh, she, she was a Baptist lady, and she called me. And, uh, and I didn't expect what I got from her when she called me. She called me one day, and she I could tell she was in her car and she was driving down the road. I was sitting at my desk at work and she said, Sean Disney, I just called to tell you the Lord is about to show you why he is placing that church in the heart of this city. God's about to reveal to you why he is transplanting you right into the heart of this city. And then she went, "Woo! I feel that. Well, when she said that, I perked up because I wasn't much expecting that out of her. And I was like, I'm going to listen to what she has to say. I want to tell you this morning, I believe that's the purpose for which God has placed us here. That's why we're not here by chance today. You are either here because God wants to raise you up to do a mighty work for Him or maybe you're here because you've already been raised up and God wants to use you as an instrument to assist Him in raising up the lives of others who are going to become a testimony for what the power of God can do in a surrendered life to Him. I believe that's why we're here this morning. 
And I want us to look at an example of this in the book of Acts. The book of Acts chapter 22, beginning with verse 12. Now this is a story that some of you will be familiar with, some of you may not have heard before, but we're going to read through it this morning. Acts chapter 22, beginning with verse 12. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me. And he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked at him, and then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witnesses to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now this is the Apostle Paul here sharing his own personal testimony. Now, if you and I were in charge of the kingdom of God, and let me stop right there and say, I'm so thankful we're not. If you and I were in charge of the kingdom of God, and we were looking for somebody to be a witness, probably the last person we would select would be Paul. Because before he was the apostle Paul, we talked about this a few weeks ago in a sermon I preached, the last sermon uh, in in our former location. Before he was the apostle Paul, he was a man called Saul. And Saul was an angry man who stood against the word of God. He was against the word of God and he was against the ways of God. And he was so enraged at a certain people group that claimed to know God in a different way from what he did that he began to resist them forcefully. In fact... Paul, when he was Saul, was willing to physically harm them in his attempts to cause them to turn from that testimony of Jesus Christ. But yet, Saul, this man who persecuted the church, this man who despised the word of God and the ways of God, Saul, this man who was not where he should be or needed to be with the Lord, this man, Saul, was on his journey to bring more people into captivity when suddenly the word said there was a light from heaven that shone around him and he encountered the very presence of God. Are you with me this morning? See, we've got it wrong, I think, in the Pentecostal church over the years. We get this thing conjured up in our mind that we got to be so holy. We got to be so uh, consecrated. We got to be so dedicated. And we should strive for that. But we've got it conjured up in our minds that nobody else, unless they meet our standards of holiness, can encounter the presence of God. But yet I read in this book, this man was not even yet converted. Not only did he despise the word of God, he despised the ways of God, but it was Saul, that man, who was on his way to take more people into captivity, who suddenly there was a bright light that shone around him, and that man, in that condition, encountered the mighty presence of an almighty God, the life-changing power of an almighty God, and Paul recounted that incident. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 22. We're going to back up a little bit and read verse 7 and 8. Paul said, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me. Now listen, the voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, I've heard this preached a lot of ways, but I believe this is the way it happened. And I'm going to preach it this way this morning. When it's your turn to preach, you can preach it the way you want to, all right? But this is the way I believe that Saul said it. He said, I fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, watch this. So I answered. A lot of people say that he said, who are you, Lord? I don't believe that's the way he said it. I believe he heard that voice behind him. Has anybody ever heard a voice like behind your ear and you like turned to see who it was? I believe that Saul said, who are you? Lord, 
I believe it dawned on him at that moment who he was. And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. Now, a lot of people today have been resisting God. It may not necessarily be that they hate God or that they hate his people the way that Saul did, but rather that they just have a deep sense of unworthiness. I've never seen a time like I see today in this world of people that feel like they are worthless. Is anybody with me this morning? They have no value. They are meaningless. They are hopeless. They, they are no good to nobody. And they, the enemy just constantly feeds their mind with all of those lies. And they find themselves in this deep, dark hole with this sense of unworthiness. And because of that, they hate themselves. And then they don't believe that God could or would ever use them. And when they look in the mirror, they see a failure. And I'm going to tell you what they've done this morning. They have embraced a view of themselves that God does not share. I said they have embraced a view of themselves that God does not share. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, God doesn't see you the way you see you. God doesn't see you the way you see you. They've embraced a view of themselves that God does not share. But I want to tell you this morning that the Lord sees every single one of us this morning as the person that we will become when we live a life surrendered to an encounter with Him and His Holy Spirit. Somebody I'll give the Lord some praise this morning. When we allow God by the power of the Holy Spirit, to begin to change our life. Now, have you ever considered this morning that humans are the only creatures in all of creation that have the capability of resisting God? The birds don't resist Him. They sing His songs every morning. The geese don't resist Him. They fly south for the winter. The clouds don't resist Him. They simply go the direction that he tells the wind to blow them and make them go. Even darkness cannot resist him. Boy, I, I feel the Lord every time I say that. Because even in the midst of darkness, even the darkness and the forces of darkness of this world do not have the ability, the capability, or the power to resist him. Because just one word from the Lord, his light begins to dispel that darkness. When God's light begins to shine, the darkness has to flee. Even darkness cannot resist him. The only thing ever created by the hand of God God that has the power to resist him is you and I. That's it. But when we stop resisting God and we begin calling out to him, suddenly darkness gives way to the light. Meaninglessness and purposelessness gives way to a divine calling and a purpose that God has for each of us in our lives. See, let's go back and let's look at the passage in Acts where we saw Ananias praying. And God instructed him to go lay hands on Saul. This is important. I want you to see it. Ananias replied in Acts chapter 9 verse 13. Here's what he said. He said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests, those are the head ones in charge, to bind everybody who calls on your name. But the Lord said to him, listen to me this morning, go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine. This man that did not know God, 
did not serve God, did not love God. This man who persecuted those who did know God, who did serve God, and who did love God, the Lord said of that man, go, because he's a chosen vessel of mine. Now can you imagine being in a time of prayer like that? You're praying and suddenly the Lord says to you, I want you to go to this violent man and I want you to lay your hands on him because I have chosen him for a divine purpose. Now you talk about stepping out in faith. See, here's the reality, folks. I wish that we could see people the way that Jesus sees people. I wish that we could see people the way that Jesus sees people. I'm going to say something that might offend some of us this morning, but it is what it is. Sometimes the reality of the way that most church people view non-church people is enough to make you not like church people. Sometimes the reality of the way church people view non-church people is enough to make you not like church people. See, some of us like to think we've got it all together. Uh huh. Some of us like to think we've got it all figured out. Some of us like to think that we know what's religious. Are you with me this morning? That we know what's holy. I'm going to preach to us for just a minute. Some of us like to think that God didn't just call us to catch the fish. He called us to clean the fish. I don't read that in the word anywhere. I said I don't read that in the word anywhere. Some of us like to think that we've got it all figured out what holiness is. Some of us like to think that we've defined what holiness is and it's something about the length of a skirt or the length of a sleeve or the length of hair or, the, or whether or not a man has facial hair or whether or not he wears a necktie. Some of us like to think we've got all these little things figured out. But I want to tell you something this morning. That don't have a single thing to do with holiness. Some of the meanest people I've ever known, I'm just going to tell it like it is, wore their hair up in a bun and skirts down to the floor and sleeves down to their wrist. Some of the most talked people that talked about people, backbit people, and ran sinners off from the church had all that stuff that we think is holiness. We don't know what holiness is. Holiness is not about an outward appearance. Holiness is a condition of the heart. And when the heart is right, the outward appearance will follow. Sometimes we like to think we've got it all together. But I want to tell you something. There was a lot of religious people in Paul's day. A lot of people that did everything by the book. They kept the law. They kept the feast. They kept the Sabbath. Yada, yada, yada. They did, they did everything. They dotted every I and crossed every T. But I want to tell you something this morning. I find it very significant when I read the word about those people. That more than 2,000 years later, we don't really have a clue who they are by name. You ever notice that? There are no stories in this book recorded about the wonderful works that they did for God. Are you with me this morning? There are no stories in here about all those religious people that dotted every I and crossed every T and condemned everybody else who didn't do it the way that, oh, there we go, the way that they thought they should do it. Is anybody with me this morning? See, we get all these little things conjured up in our minds that we know what's the right way to do it. We know what's the wrong way to do it. But I want to tell you, as long as it's edifying and brings glory to God, that's the right way to do it. 
And if it lifts you up and exalts you, that's the wrong way to do it. Because we're going to exalt Jesus high and lift it up. Because his word promises us when we do, he'll draw all men unto him. They kept all that stuff. And I find it very significant that more than 2,000 years later, we don't read any stories about the wonderful works that they did for the Lord. And we don't have a clue as to who they really were. But the Apostle Paul, this man who was the vilest among sinners. This man who hated Christianity and the ways of it. This man whom all of those religious people just knew was a hopeless cause. He'd never amount to anything. He could never attain the religious status that they had all attained in their own eyes. That he would be the one, do you realize, who wrote nearly one third of the New Testament. He would be the one who started more churches and led more people to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ than all of those religious folks put together. Folks, I want to tell you something this morning. These people that we sometimes call the church, they need to get down off of their high horse and realize while we're over here in the corner trying to decide what's holy enough, what's righteous enough, and what's worthy enough that there's somebody out there who's actually living like hell this morning right now. And if we'll just stop our judging and stop our debating and get them to the house of God, there's enough power in His presence that will cause them to have a life changing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and when that happens when that takes place that can totally change the trajectory of the city what are you talking about pastor I'm talking about when the drug addict down the street gets delivered it can totally change the trajectory of the streets are you with me I'm talking about when the prostitute that lives at the bottom of the hill in my subdivision. She lives outside the subdivision. But when she gets saved and delivered, and folks hear about it, it'll totally change the trajectory of that apartment building down there. Are you with me this morning? When the folks who are lost and who are not living right, who are just as lost as they can be, when God saves them, sanctifies them, delivers them, cleans them up, and they begin coming to the house of God, there'll be other people that will follow them that will say, I don't know what he got a hold of, I don't know what she got a hold of, but whatever it is, I'd like to have some of that for myself. I want to tell you, it will totally change the trajectory of a city when God changes somebody. And I believe God is calling us as his church in this last hour to do exactly what Ananias did. To step out of our places of prayer. And we're going to have a regular dedicated time, a place of prayer. We do for ladies on Tuesdays. We're going to have another one once a month. So stay tuned. We'll be telling you about it. But when we step out of our places of prayer and believe that one more time, God is going to choose the nothings, the nobodies, the vile, the violent, all the people that nobody else wants. If we'll believe that one more time, God's going to choose them. And the Lord says, I want you to go, Freedom Point Church, and I want you to pray for them because I've chosen them. Did you hear me this morning? They're not in here yet, but I've chosen them to glorify my name in this last hour. I'm going to raise them up out of death. I'm going to open up their prison doors. I'm going to be their chain breaker like we sung about this morning. I'm going to give sight to their blinded eyes. And they are going to become my end time army of witnesses to show this world what the life-changing encounter of the power of the Holy Spirit can do in a life. 
I want us to read verses 17 and 18 of Acts chapter 9. And Ananias went on his way and he entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is there anybody in the house this morning that's been filled with the Holy Spirit? Can I see your hands? Let me see your hands. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you ought to ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And he said immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he, reserved his, he, he received his sight at once. And he arose. Say, get up. Say it again. Get up. He arose and was baptized. In other words, he was saying, let me put my hands on you. And when I do... You're going to see the purpose for your life. And you'll be filled with the Spirit of God. See, I said just a minute ago, God don't see you the way you see you. God doesn't see others the way church people see others. I want to tell you something this morning. You're looking, uh, you're looking at a guy who's 45 years old now. But when I was 9 years old, I, I lost my daddy. But up until I was 9, I remember watching him from the time I was 5 to the time I was 9 get drunk. He was an alcoholic and beat my mother. I saw that with my own eyes. And then he died when I was nine, and I had no male influence really in my life. I mean, I have some uncles that have gone on to heaven, and I thank the Lord for them, but they just weren't really around much. That's all I know to say about it. I had no real male influences in my life, and there were people that said about me, he'll never amount to anything. He'll never be anything. He's done nothing except watch his daddy beat his mama. Now his daddy's dead, and he's got to be the man of the house at nine years old. He'll never amount to anything, and he'll never be anything. Uh, He'll be a sissy. He'll be this, he'll be that, but he'll never amount to anything. But I want to tell you something this morning. I'm thankful for a but God moment in my life. I may not be anything for anybody to esteem, and I'm not saying that, but I'm saying this guy that the enemy said would never amount to nothing. I want to tell you something else this morning. There were people eight and a half years ago that said when we planted this church, literally said out of their mouth, I'll give it six months until it just crumbles and come crashing down. Well, eight years and almost six months later but God got in the arrangements and you're sitting in a place this morning not because of anything I did but because God can do the impossible when we surrender our lives to him and that's what the end time spiritual awakening is going to look like the people that you least expect are suddenly going to see the things that the religious people can't see See, this book tells me, I don't care what the enemy has told you, this book tells me that God said, I know the plans that I have for you. Some of y'all need to quit worrying about what somebody else said the plans were for you. And stand on the word of God that says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. See, that goes to every, that hits every one of us in the house. Regardless of whether you may think somebody's holy enough to receive that or not, it goes to every single one of us in the house. I came to declare to you today, I don't care who you are, where you've been, or what you've done. Watching on live stream what you did last night, it doesn't matter to me. This word tells me that God said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans never to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That's the plans that God has for us. And they're suddenly going to see the things that religious people can't see. And they're going to see God's plan, His power, and the reason that He's chosen them. Why has He chosen them? He's chosen them. He's chosen you to do His will. Verse 14. Then He said, The God of our fathers has chosen who? You. That you should know His will and see the just one 
and hear the voice of his mouth. Imagine how hard it must have been for Saul to believe this at this very moment. That the, this God that I have fought against, this God whose people I have physically harmed, this God whose church I have persecuted, he's chosen me. Did you get that this morning? And that's what I believe God's going to do in this last generation. It's not going to be by might or by any power that we possess. But instead, the presence of God is going to come one more time, one more time, to a people who least expect it. And the Apostle Paul considered, if you read any of his writings throughout the New Testament, he always considered himself the greatest, the cheapest of all sinners. He truly understood that he was chosen by God and he stood only by the mercy of God. And Ananias continued in verse 14, he said that you should know his will. Now listen, I want to share this with you quickly. When the Spirit of God comes on you, you will know his will. I said when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you will know his will. I shared with my daughter this past week, I said, God will not speak to somebody else about you until he's spoken to you about you. Uh-huh. So a lot of people like to run around and give somebody a word and say the Lord said. But I told her, I said, when that happens... You just let that go, and this, this is good for everybody. When that happens, you just let that go in one ear and let it go right out the other ear. Did you hear me this morning? God will speak to you about you before he'll speak to somebody else about you. But here's what God will do. God will speak to somebody else about you to confirm what he's already spoken to you. So I told her, I said, there's a flip side to that. If God's already been speaking to you, and you knew it, and you were resisting like I'm preaching about this morning... And then God used somebody else to come to you and speak it to you to confirm what he's already spoken to you. This is the way I put it to her. Then suck it up, buttercup. You need to mark up to God's word. God will speak to you about you before he speaks to anybody else about you. When, you, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you'll know his will. It'll be engraved deeply within your heart. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 30 and 21 tells us this is the way. Walk in it. When it's God's will, you'll know it. You'll begin to see the giftings that God has for you and the abilities that will come into your life to do the things that maybe you can't do right now. You'll be able to speak words that you don't have the power to speak without the presence of God. You'll be able to possess a humility and a courage that you don't naturally have. And you'll have everything that you need to do the work that God is calling you to do. Because I promise you, if you can hear my voice today, God is calling you to do a work for the kingdom of God. Ananias said... You'll know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. And just as Saul did, when you yield your life to God's will, you'll begin to hear his voice. And he continued in verse 15. For you will be his, whoop, here we go, witnesses to all men of what you have seen and heard. Your life will be so touched by God that you'll serve as a witness of his mercy and power. And so then Ananias, and I'm about to wrap this up, asked Saul, verse 16. And now, why are you waiting? Arise or get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's my question to us all today. Why are you waiting? If you're not ready to meet the Lord today, why are you, what are you waiting on? A lot of people say, oh, preacher, I got this going on in my life. I got that going on in my life. I got to get this cleaned up and then, then I'll give my life to Jesus. No, that's not the way it works. You give your life to Jesus today, and then God will take care of those other things. The Bible teaches us today is the day of salvation. Why are you waiting? What are you waiting on? To those of us that are ready, why are you still sitting there? 
spiritually speaking. Some of y'all got scared like he don't want us to sit here. Spiritually speaking, why are you still sitting there? What are you waiting on? Why are you not getting up and doing what God's given you to do? As they come to the music this morning, it's really that simple. Get up. Stand up in your heart. Stand up in your mind. Which, whatever way you can, just get up and call out to God. God's about to raise up a church, and I believe this. In this last hour, God's about to raise up a church. And it could easily be us. But we could also easily miss the opportunity. God's about to raise up a church in this last hour. People who you may think are the least likely candidates. People that are confused and angry. People that are addicted and in distress. Because I want to tell you folks, here's the reality. God is willing to meet anybody who's willing to meet Him. God is willing to meet anybody who's willing to meet Him. The Bible says as you behold the victory of Christ, you'll continuously be changed. Say changed. We all could use some change. You'll be continuously changed by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll become witnesses to others of what God's done for you. See, that's the whole story of my life. Telling other people that God will do for them what He's done for me. You may say, oh, Pastor, listen, you don't know. I don't talk a whole lot about my story. You don't know. I had my struggles. I still have my problems. And the people that live with me said, amen. And I had things that were spoken over my life. I've already shared some of that with you that held me in captivity. I had a lot of fear in my heart as well. But I heard about who God was. And I heard about what God could do. And I made a choice to get up and to go with Jesus. I want to tell you something this morning. If you've never made that choice, if you'll just make the choice to get up and go with Jesus, it'll be the best choice you've ever made in your life. Can I get a witness in this house this morning? Anybody say Jesus is the best choice you've ever made in your life. I simply decided, God, if this is you, I'm going to go with you. And as you make that choice to get up and believe that God's chosen you, I want to encourage you to do something else also. I want to encourage you to start telling that good news to everybody you come into contact with who needs Jesus. And I want you, listen to me when I say this this morning, this might burst, burst the bubble of some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees if we have any of those. But I want you to invite the struggling to come into this church. Are you with me this morning? I want you to invite those who are still addicted to come into this house. I want you to invite the prostitute who, by the way, may be dressed really skimpy the first time she comes. That's all right, too. I want you to invite them to the house of God. Let me say something while I'm there on that. Another thing that we've done in Pentecost, and some people might get mad when I say this, but it's the truth. Another thing we've done in Pentecost is blame everything on the women. What's that all about? That if she didn't cover everything up or if something was too tight and showed too many curves, then I want to tell you what the reality is. If that causes us men to lust over somebody that's not our own, then we got a problem with us, not a problem with her. Are you with me this morning? It's never, everything's not, thank you. 
Everything's not the woman. And I got some women to clap and say amen. Everything's not the woman's fault. We've all got a responsibility. And if we can't come to the house of God without a prostitute coming in halfway dressed and us not losing our minds and going all carnal for a minute, we got an issue between us and Jesus that we need to get fixed. I want us to invite those people in. I want to see people come in drunk and high and stoned and whatever other words you want to use. I want to see them come in homeless and stinking and filthy and so deep and buried in sin that they may not even know their name. Why, preacher? Because if we can just get them to the house of God, in the presence of God, they'll have a life-changing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God is called. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. That's what God has called us here for. That's why God has placed us here. Not a one of us is any more special than anybody else. But God will use every single one of us if we'll make ourselves available to Him. You may be sitting here today and you might even think, I don't have a degree, I don't have a ministry, I don't have a gift, I don't have anything I can do. That's nothing more than a lie of the devil. God wants to use you for his glory. I want you to stand with me all over the house. I'm going to close with one last passage of scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. He said, but you are a chosen generation. You are a, say it with me, chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. Watch this. That Here's why you were chosen. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is there anybody in the house this morning that's thankful that God picked you up right in the pit of your darkness and placed you in his marvelous light? Is there anybody else in the house this morning that'll say, Pastor, I've been in a dark place and I want God to place me. Listen, some of you are battling depression. Some of you are battling anxiety. Some of you may not want to admit it this morning, but you're in a dark place. But you're in a place today that God can pick you up out of that dark place and set you in his marvelous light. And here's why. Who once were not a people, but now, I declare this over every one of us today, now are the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now we've obtained mercy. You see, this is where the spiritual awakening starts. It starts with just ordinary people coming together and saying, God, Oh, God, we need you. 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 Help us see people the way you see people. God, help us move us with compassion, Lord, for the lost and dying that are around us. Oh, God, give us everything that we're told is ours because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Oh, God, fill this room. Fill this house. Fill children's church. Fill the youth sanctuary with your Holy Spirit. God, raise us up. Raise us up. Let us get up. Oh.